Hello and welcome to Inside Music, episode number 76. I'm your host, James Shotwell, and on this episode, I'm chatting with my good friend, Evan, from Avion Row. And the crazy thing about this episode is that it's being uploaded just mere hours after Evan and I had this conversation. This is as hot off the presses as podcasts can possibly get, and I'm excited to share it with you. If you're a longtime listener of Inside Music, you will recognize Evan's name from episode 53. When we aired that episode, Avion Row had just signed with Epitaph Records and released their debut EP, and were in the process of basically sitting on their full length until the time came for it to be released. Evan couldn't even tell us the release date then, but this time around, things are different. Avion Row will release their first full-length album for Epitaph Records titled In Separation on June 17th, and a week later, on June 24th, the band will kickstart their run on Van's Warp Tour. Yes, it's a very busy time for Avion Row, and luckily Evan was able to take a few minutes out of his schedule to chat with me not only about the record and Warp Tour, but a whole bunch of other things. If you are looking for information on the record, however, you're in luck, because we go through literally every song on the album, and we tell the stories behind them, we talk about the themes of the record, the message that Evan hopes to convey, and the band's approach to sharing their world perspective with fans through their music. It's a really great conversation, and I really hope you enjoy it. Before we get there, however, we do have a few things we need to do. First and foremost, I have to tell you that this episode of Inside Music is brought to you by Holix, the music industry's leading digital promotional distribution company. Now what that means is that Holix works with record labels, publicists, managers, and independent artists all over the world to share new and unreleased music without fear of piracy. Should leaks occur, and unfortunately they do sometimes, Holix has state-of-the-art technology that can not only take unwanted files off the internet, but can also find the people responsible for leaks. For more information on Holix and access to a free 30-day trial, visit holix.com. That's H-A-U-L-I-X.com. Second, you need to be following Inside Music on Twitter. Yes, a podcast has a Twitter account. Not exactly a new idea in 2016, but it's a thing that exists, and we want you to be a part of it. So follow at Inside Music Pod. That's at Inside Music P-O-D. Third, you definitely need to hear this Avion Row album. I know I'm a little bit biased because I've been a longtime fan of the band and I'm friends with everybody in the band, but I hold my friends to a very high standard. And when I heard In Separation, I immediately had to reach out and tell the band how much I appreciated what they've done. If you heard the EP, there's all four of those songs are on this record, so you already have a taste of what's to come, but I can't even tell you. The band has really challenged not only themselves, but their core fan base to push everything in a new direction. It's the same big rock sound you've come to expect, but it's expressed in a whole bunch of new and interesting ways that I think are really going to connect with people. More importantly, this is not just a summer album. You know, May and June is littered with releases that are really catchy and are perfect for road trips or for bonfires with your best friends or days at the beach and all that jazz, but when fall comes and the leaves change and the temperatures drop, those summer records just don't sound as good as they used to. They sound like memories, something that is great in theory, but you can't relive necessarily. That's not the case with In Separation. This is the kind of record that will keep you company in the summer, hold you tight in the fall, and be your fireside pal when the snow begins to come. I don't want to talk about snow because it's like 100 degrees outside right now, but it's coming, and when it gets here, you're going to want In Separation at your side. So remember, the record comes out in stores June 17th through Epitaph Records. You can order it online right now through all the big sites, and you'll be able to stream it. But don't stream things if you can afford to buy an album. Just buy the album. It's worth it. I, I'm going to tell you this. Evan's going to tell you this. They're very proud of it, and they should be. It's great. Also, see Avion Row on Warp Tour. I had the pleasure of managing a stage that Avion Row was a part of a few years back on Warp Tour, and I watched them every single day, and every single day they blew my mind. 
They're one of the craziest live bands out there, and I can't wait to see how that new material translates to the stage. So once again, in separation June 17th, the band is on Warp Tour from June 24th to July 21st, and if you're going to Warp Tour, you need to see Avion Row. Now I'm going to play a little bit of music from a song that we discuss in the episode and that I don't believe the band has released yet. So if you're listening to this ahead of June 17th, this is a little exclusive for you from Inside Music. And then I'm going to get to the conversation with Evan. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Uh, to answer your question, though, you know, not much. It's like today's probably the hottest day it's been in Minneapolis since I moved here, and so I'm just kind of like sitting in my own sweat talking to you. I know the feeling. I'm in North Texas. <laughs> yeah, but you're like used yeah. to it. It's not something <laughs> that you ever really get used to. It's funny, though, because in Texas, there, I guess you are a little bit more accustomed to it because it'll be like, you know, 100 degrees, and people will be like, yeah, but there's a breeze. You know, or like, oh, I've got some shade. Like, they seem to not care as much. Um, but it's funny, dude. I don't, I don't really care about the heat anyway. I'm just kind of busting your balls. I think, I think your accent comes out more when it's hot. Is that possible? Maybe. Do I have an accent? You have just a little bit of a Texas accent. Just a okay. little bit. I'm from New Orleans, but I, I've probably been here too You've long. lived in the South long enough that you got, like, some, some amalgamation of South accents. Yeah, I always tease my girlfriend. She's, uh, her family's from up north, so she has the northern accent. So I guess we get on to each other about it. But how have you been, man? I've been good, man. It's been uh, it's been pretty busy. We've been trying to get this new version of Holix out the door. So I've been kind of behind the scenes doing that stuff. And then, you know, otherwise, just just living, man. Living, writing, talking. That's pretty much all I do. Which I guess is all you Very do. Very cool, man. Except it really sing. is. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, cool, man. Well, let's dive right into it, dude. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got to tell you, like, after the last episode, I figured that, like, you guys have a really rabid fan base that's really good about, like, kind of, you know, flocking towards anything that you do. But I actually saw a lot of people in the industry that would kind of share our conversation and be like, this is kind of an interesting take on what it's like to be a new band in the industry. And I was like, oh, I didn't, we didn't set out to do that, but I'm, I'm glad it worked out that way. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, that's cool that, you know, everybody can take something away from it. Yeah, you're, uh, Nick Nick was going to send me the album like before you went on this last tour, and then he, I think he said he was going to send it to me the day before he left, and then the next day he was like, oh man, I'm traveling, I'll get it to you when I get to wherever I meet up with the guys, and then I got it like two days ago. Worth the wait? <laughs> Worth the wait. Worth the wait. Very cool, man. It would be weird if I was like, let's do another conversation, and then I was like, what the hell did you do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be, a, yeah. That was, this, this was your chance, up. man. <laughs> Yeah, we worked real, real hard on In Separation. Um, we probably started technically writing it in 2013, which feels weird to say, being that it's the middle of 2016 now. But the first song we ever conceived for this record was uh, Violent Lights, which you've heard at this point. And it was, a, it was written in 2013. So to be able to look back now and be like, it's still not technically legally out yet, it's, it's pretty crazy. But it, it feels unreal, man. It feels surreal, I guess, to 
I'm holding it in my hand right now as we speak, and it's just it doesn't even feel. It feels like a ride. It feels like I'm in a movie. You know. It's funny that that that's the first song you guys write because I think that that's I was going to point out that that song I feel really sets a tone for the record. Like there's a little bit of every song on the album in Violent Lights. I I I would agree with that, and so it probably makes more sense knowing that it was the first one that I wrote for it. And the funny story about it is that song in particular. I, I felt I was so proud of it. I was like, the chorus just means so much to me and I can feel it when I hear it. And I showed it to the guys in the band and they just didn't get it. They were like, well, you know, we don't really like it. And so I'm sitting here fighting for this song that I thought not only is a great, you know, three minutes and 30 seconds of music, but I really believed it could set the tone for the entire album that we were about to embark on. And the other guys didn't like it. So I, I had to just kind of like fight for it and fight for it. And with time and with their help, obviously, and Chris Kremen's help, the song evolved and became what, it, what, what you hear on the album. And I'm so glad that we kept it. And it really did um, spark a lot of inspiration for the other, the other songs on the record. So it's, a, it's probably definitely one of the most important tracks on the record. I don't think it's a single. Um, I, I mean, I would love for it to be a single, but as of now, it's not. But it was definitely one of those preliminary tracks that helps, helps you understand where your writing is coming from. Mm. So it was a real important song. Yeah, I, I feel like it might be a hard song to try to reproduce if you made it as a single. I have to play it every night because there's a lot going on there, musically. I think we could do it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it probably you're probably right, but um, we're kind of at the point in our careers where like we like a challenge. We you know we like to try and pull off something live that people people don't expect. But it, I think that's probably what freaked maybe everybody out in the beginning is you know our drummers like well you know the drums aren't super fast and our guitar players like well there's not really any standout guitar parts and it, it kind of took us into this realm of a different way of writing songs where maybe it's not the most about a single instrument and more about an overall emotive feel and not that there's a right or wrong way to write a song because there's really not some of the best songs some of my favorite songs in the world have crazy drums or you know a guitar part that i could never play um that's just not what violent lights was so i think they had to kind of relearn songwriting with me a little bit so i think it was more scary than anything just kind of felt like new territory but yeah i'm just so glad that i was able to maybe twist their arms or get them to, to be on board with it because um, it's one of my favorite songs on the record. Oh man, if we're going to get right. We want to dive right into favorite songs on the record. I have, uh, I have two that I've been like kind of playing pretty heavily. Uh, first one, Jettison Tears, I think is just epic. It's big, it's loud. You, you fucking shine on it. But I mean, the whole band does. It's, it's one of the bigger songs on the record, just sound wise. And every song kind of has this massive appeal to it where it's like, this could be played in an arena. The drums sound like they're filling a giant space. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then the song that kind of goes with that real quick, I think it kind of like almost like a sister song to Violent Lights structurally, I feel is Sins and Edicts, where it kind of starts off unassumingly and then kind of bursts into this whole other thing. Yeah, so you're saying some of my favorites too. Man, I'm just in love with the whole album. It just feels like almost like the songs are my children. Um, I think other writers will be able to relate to that. It maybe sounds weird to a fan, but other writers writers will understand whether you write books or paint paintings or or, um, or make songs. Like, there's a reason you did it with every single one. There's something about that song that takes you somewhere. And Jettison Tears is very special to me. It's actually the first song that Kellen Quinn heard of our band and was like, oh, damn, this is unheard music. It was the one that caught his ear initially. And um, so that's just a real special real special song to me for that reason and since and edicts um i don't know what we were trying to do with that i think we were just trying to expand our writing horizon and um it, i'd love to hear your opinion about it obviously you said you're into it and i love that but like 
when it started, were you thinking, okay, here's another acoustic song? Yeah, well, I figured I was like, I kind of assumed that there would be like one kind of ballady track where you just kind of went for it vocally. And I was like, okay, here we go. This is this is the one where he's just going to belt over an acoustic guitar. And it, it's that for about 30 seconds. And then it explodes in this way where I was like, oh, this is like a fast rock song. It's the shortest song yeah. on the record. And it is. Yeah, by like by almost like 10, 15 seconds. Like it is a noticeably short song, but there's you pack a lot of different things into it. Again, you like shove a whole bunch of ideas at you at once. And we just got off tour um, with a great band called Danger Kids, and we played Sins and Enix every night. And I mean, it, it was probably the most head-turning song that we had. It was the one that after ever after every time we played it, like you know, the crowd was just screaming. It's just, and and it's one that maybe I think initially you would think, man, how are you going to pull that one off live? And it is hands down, I think probably collectively probably our favorite one to play live. It does give you, I mean, it is another, it is like Violent Lights in that way where it's like, it seems like it might be hard to pull off live, but I've seen you guys do some pretty crazy things live, so I don't doubt that you can do it. Uh, before we go too far, though, how was, how was that Danger Kids run? See, I'm, I'm one of these people that I've known of Danger Kids for a really long time, where UTG back in the day was one of the first sites to ever cover that band, and I've talked to Andy a ton of times over like Twitter and everything, but I've yet to see them live. So like, what was it like to be out there with them for a month? Speaking... Um directly to their their live show i've seen a lot of bands in my time this band can hang with the best of them they have the most consistent and finely tuned live show maybe that i've ever seen it's incredible every night to watch them go out and sound like a record every night while going i mean the band goes crazy you know that often they would bring the entire crowd or a lot you know not the entire crowd but the whole like front part of the crowd up on the stage with them and they would just, I mean, the band brings it every night. Their drummer, Katie, is phenomenal. You could pick any one person in this band and spend the entire show watching them and be fully entertained. And I love bands like that. Um, and I think even greater than, than their music, to me, because it's so important, is they are just the nicest people, man. Every time you go on a tour, um, you know, your band is your family. And it's it's maybe kind of like that first day of school feeling. You don't know how you're going to click with everybody else or what you can and can't say or where you can and where you can't step. And, um, and especially when you're walking onto, you know, you're the opener band on someone else's headliner. You just want to be very respectful and, and make sure you're not in their space. And they just kind of washed that away from day one. They just said, anything you guys need, just ask for it. And it just, it turned into what feels like real friendships with these people. I just, I, I love their band and I love them as people. We ended up going, camping one day um at mount hood and we'd we'd spend our off days together frequently i mean it's just they're just amazing people it's genuine it's uh it's genuine which i think is real rare so it's great people playing great music and that's what a band's supposed to be um doesn't get much better than that i just love those guys i can't say enough good things about them I saw uh, I saw the Instagram post. I think maybe it was Andy or one of the Danger Kids posted a photo from your guys' camping in the woods. I was like, that seems like a good story. Whatever happened there, that seems like a good time. <laughs> it was it was actually like I mean it's beautiful and it's so peaceful and I really do love nature, but it's almost really creepy. We got to the bottom of this mountain, and there's obviously there's no phone signal, and the people that are supposed to be working at the campground are all missing. So like where you would check in and pay, like there's no one there. And so we just kind of like let ourselves in and like picked a spot that we thought was cool and started making food and no one's got phone service and it's just almost too quiet. I don't know. It, it sounds weird and it's hard to describe, but if you were there, you were very like, 
okay, I hope, you know, someone could be watching us real easy. It was an uneasy feeling. And there's a lot of bears out there too. So we were like, and we spilled food and stuff. We were real convinced bears were going to come get us. But man, it's just, it's just one of those adventures that you take in life that just makes life feel, um, you know, fun and new and, and like a movie. Life should feel like that. So they, they were always doing stuff like that. That's awesome. Is that something you guys would do in a case where maybe you, if you weren't out with Danger Kids, would that still be something Abby and Ro pulls off to the side of the road and does? I think absolutely. <laughs> I, it's really, um, man, yeah, every one of us has like this little like adventure streak in us. Like if we, if like we've been, one time we were driving uh, to the first day of a tour and we had given our, we'd given ourselves like some padding timing just to, in case, you know, something went wrong. So we had a little time kill and we just kind of drove over this like, beachy looking area and we just pulled off and like hung out there for a while and there's a tire swing and we just kind of just kind of hung out there's not like we did anything amazing there but it's like this memory of like being free with your friends and um that's half of what touring is you know it's being able to just be out there and that's where some great songs come from so i don't know yeah we we love doing stuff like that and um i'm trying like there was one night uh, on the tour it was in atlanta um and katie their uh danger kids drummer she was she was like real excited to go on a ghost a ghost hunting trip and, and so like we i don't know we for some reason we like got the um like the security detail at the venue to like let us up in like to the attic area of the place and like you know obviously we're filming and we're talking to the camera like we're on a tv show and we're looking for ghosts and stuff i don't know it's just real goofy but like it just keeps things feeling real fun and um and and it, i don't know it helps you look back and like you remember all the shows but like you remember moments like that and it just um it def- it ends up defining a tour for us um but yeah we're the kind of band that would do that i think anytime we, we even at home when we're not on tour we kind of will make adventures um it's just kind of the people we are now did you also get to hear the elusive new danger kids album that i've been hearing so much about Dude, I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you I've heard it, but I've heard it. <laughs> I've seen a few people have told me they've heard it, and I've seen the band teasing it, and I have uh, I get this album release update calendar all the time. And since I work at Holix, you know, we get a lot of... I can see when people are uploading new albums, so, like, I know... Like, before they announced the Blink-182, like, single and stuff, I knew that they were shopping their new album on Holix already, so, like, I knew it was coming. Sure. So I know that there's this Danger Kids album, and I know that it's been done for, like, a minute now, and this the band is so tight-lipped about it, I was like, I bet I bet you guys have heard it. Like, I was almost more jealous of the fact that I knew you'd probably gotten to hear that new record. <laughs> Dude, it's like, oh, my God, man. And um, so they played on the tour they played two of the songs from the record and I, they were arguably my two favorite songs and when i found out it was the new stuff i was like oh shit this is they're 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 changing the game up it is awesome man everything has evolved and just they they're all just perfecting their craft as they go the songwriting is incredible just the layouts the structures and sonically the whole thing just sounds massive um, they're just a great band, man. I don't want to tell you too much about their album or like what the songs are like, but like they, you know, it's definitely, definitely, definitely worth hearing and checking out. So I'm glad you brought it up. Hopefully it'll be, I mean, it's definitely a most anticipated for the year. I'm sure it'll come out at some point. I have a feeling that they might just kind of drop it on people as a surprise. Cause it's, it's like the word is out that it's amazing, that it's, that it exists. And now it's just like the waiting game. It's kind of like your record where it's like, I know it's done. Yeah, it's very much. It, that's <laughs> Don't hold a gun in my head, but I I do believe their record is either done or like, you know, like right there, like 90% done-ish. Um, so I think they're probably going to do kind of what we did, maybe. 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 I, uh, you know, I was curious about the record. So 
when you when you recorded it and you had it completed, took it to Epitaph, did they have any say in sequencing and everything, or is that all on you? What do you uh, in terms of sequencing? Yeah, in terms of like okay. track order and such like that, because I, I was I was really happy to see Into the Rest buried so deep in the record because it almost demands that you give the first ten tracks a chance before you get to the single. <laughs> um, we had um, written and recorded the whole album before Epitaph heard it. Um, by the time Brett showed any interest in us, I said, "Okay, well, you know, we have the whole record done. Do you want to hear it?" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, cool." So I sent it to him. And I think he called me and he just said, he said, I don't, he said, man, he's like, I really don't want to change anything. He said, I just want you to go. He said, I'd love for you to get in with Chris Crummett um, and, and clean it up, make some of the vocals, sing it, sing some spots better, play some guitars a little bit more in tune, little things like that. We're talking like no lyrics changed, no melodies changed, uh, no layouts changed. I think I changed the harmony. <laughs> as far as like nothing really changed, it was kind of just finely, finely tuned. Um, and, and, you know, obviously Chris Crummett is the man. So we were, we were fortunate to be able to go ahead and do that. But as far as like the, the sequencing of the layout or the layout of the record, like, I, I think I, we kept it in the same exact order. I sent it to him originally. It, it told a story to me and you have to understand initially into the rest wasn't the lead single. It was never like, Hey, let's write this song and put Kellen Quinn on it. It's like, Hey, our, you know, one of the backing tracks from our record doesn't have singing in the bridge. So when the whole thing with Kellen came up, it was so organic. I said, hey, can you fill this one hole I have? And it just, you know, it worked like that. It really wasn't like, let's put the single on the back of the record. It just, it was just the most natural thing ever. So that's why maybe it is unorthodox that that lead single with, you know, our amazingly talented friend is at the back of the record. It's because that's where it was and we just never moved it. Well, you know, part of the reason I ask is because I feel like Come Find Me is a really cool opener and it's also kind of not quite, not risky really because I don't know that anything is risky necessarily, but it's just kind of interesting because it's it's one of the calmer songs on the record. It kind of builds into Sing Me to Sleep, which is a much heavier rock record. But the first song, it's it's kind of brooding a little bit and it's it kind of shows a real softer side of the band, kind of leads, introduces you very gently into the record. <laughs> So that was actually a conversation that we had had. Um, it's not something the label uh, was there for, but just between the four of us, you know, it was like, what is their initial tone that we want to set? The first song is so important to a record. You know, when I think back of, to, you know, Enemy of the State or In Love and Death or, uh, you know, Where You Want to Be, those, the first song set a tone immediately. And that's how it is with the best. So I think from the beginning, we wanted this punch you in the face, fast, let's get up and go song. And as we wrote more of the record and as we learned more about the record, it made sense to do something unorthodox, something unpredictable. Um, and, and that was come find me for us. Um, you know, our first record starts with a song called oxygen, which does just that, that punching the face. Here's the first song and, and let's, let's go. And it just, it was exciting to do something different. Um, art should always be moving in a different direction if you find yourself feeling like you have to fill a certain um you know pathway or, or, or fall into a certain groove then it's not daring anymore and it's not fun anymore so i, I understand what you're saying and i i totally agree but, and it was intentional it was let's and then and then that's why we put Simi to sleep second it's like okay now you know we let people know what it's about now let's go so it, we try to kind of just do both instead of having like here's the first song it's like one two um but I, you know, I hope I hope you got that from it. But I love "Come Find Me," and I, I liked it. Um, we boldly put it first. 
I, you know, the only song on the record that really, I think, harkens back to the first album mm-hmm. that much, I feel like the loneliness is kind of a nice bridge for people who are like, I wish they sounded like their own sound, because there are elements of that first record throughout the loneliness. And, it's, you know, it's still a big song that fits in this record, but it reminded me a lot of your older material. Yeah, that's and that song um, was one of the last ones that we wrote. Um, and it was, we had tried a couple times to do it, and I just wasn't in love with any of them. And then, like, certain things fell into place. The opening guitar part to this loneliness is very unique, super original. And like, once we got that, it set an, it set an emotive like mood throughout it. And, um, and yeah, I guess it does feel more like the first record. I think, I think for a lot of people, maybe what they attest to us sounding like our first record is going to be the tempos of songs. And I think that might freak people out, but um, I mean, like the, the lyrical content, isn't i mean i've I've worded things differently but it's the same ideas it's the same forward thinking ideas that are on the first record josh has gotten better at drums i mean he's yeah, <laughs> i he feel like he's open to every you know what i mean like the drums have gotten even more punk rock mm-hmm. the record is probably less punk rock than the art of fiction but somehow the drums if you really listen to them they're crazier than ever um the guitar parts is probably maybe what changed the most maybe and rather than having songs that are written around necessarily a guitar part or a guitar riff um, you know, we we kind of took the guitars back a little bit to allow room for more of a um, a lyrical space to be filled. But I mean, yeah, I, I think it's a natural pro- progression for our band. Uh, what was the discussion like with picking Carving Flowers? Is kind of once you got around to the album cycle, that was the first big song that I really came on my radar that was like getting promoted for the for the full length. So why Carving Flowers? Um, that's the one thing I can't tell you because I think collectively, like we all like that song and actually we love that song live. It is so fun live, but like, I don't know if that's like the one that like, I, I never thought of it as like a, let's push this song kind of thing. Um, it's not, it's not in my top five even. I don't know what, I think it was just to kind of remind people that there's more to our band sound than into the rest. Um, because when you put out one song at a time and they're spaced out really far apart, people people learn that and they they make that your band sound. And they, people like to put things in boxes and labels on it, and it's a hard thing to do with our band because the whole point of our band is that there are songs like this loneliness that are heavy and fast and they're screaming, and then there's you know songs like June that are acoustic and um, you know more reserved. The, the whole point is we're we're trying to do it all. We're trying to fill every facet of the human mind, our, our human minds. And so I think it's hard to p- put us in a box. I hope it's hard to put us in a box. I'm sure people, people will, I'm sure do it, but, um, but I think that's where the idea to push carving flowers came from is what's, you know, this, this one sounds a little more like the art of fiction. Let's remind some of the original fans why they love the band. Um, it wasn't my idea, but it, you know, I do love the song and, and I'm glad it's getting in people's ears. Yeah, it was, a, it was an odd choice for me because I, I hadn't heard the whole record yet, but knowing what you had already released, I was like, oh, this is different. And I, it, it took me by surprise, and then I, it's kind of been fun to watch. You guys retweet a lot of people who like discover your band and will be like, oh my God, I love this song. And I, that's been a song that I've seen a lot of kids be like, this is how they discovered your band. And it's kind of funny how like neither you or I would probably pick that song, but for yeah. a certain like community, like this is going to be the song that they were like, holy crap, have you heard Carving Flowers? And it's like, they haven't heard anything yet. I mean, they haven't heard you know, the, the meat of the record. <laughs> yeah, and I, it's funny because I feel like you especially are someone that has really gotten what our band's been about. And 
a lot of times I hear from you every time a song comes out, I almost hear, oh, it's good. I, it's not what I was expecting. And that's a good feeling to hear as an artist. Like that's, that's fulfilling to hear. Like that, that's, I don't know why. I don't know if other bands even care about that, but like we like to keep people on, our t- on their toes for some reason. I don't know why, but it's just, it's just part of whatever the hell we are. Well, I mean, you're so you're so selective in the way that you release songs and the way that you present your band that every time you do, I think I you, you, I kind of fall into this trap because most bands they pick a single and a video and that's kind of like the image for this whole album cycle and you're like, okay, so this is what we're doing this album, and that has never been the way that your guys work, but because that's kind of how like ninety percent of other bands work, you, you, every time a song comes out, you're like, oh, so this is what they're doing now. And then it's like, oh wait, no, gotta gotta catch myself and be like, nah, this is just one yeah. one of twelve flavors that they're gonna share on this record. <laughs> you just you just summed it up in a way that I never could have, but you hit the nail on the head. For some reason, and I don't even know that we've ever said it out loud to each other or to ourselves, but it's important to us to to be our own entity, to be our own thing, and to keep people guessing for some reason. Um, and I'm sure there's other bands that have obviously done that and we'll get boxed in with them for it probably, but whatever. Um, we, we just love doing that. Well, it is hard to box you in though, because yesterday, I mean, you and I were interacting on Twitter with someone yesterday who was like, I've never heard of Avian Row. What do they sound like? And I kind of stopped for a second. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't really know. Like, cause when someone asks a question, like, the band, does, yeah, yeah who, who does that band sound like? You know, you'd go to like singles and you're like, Hey, what's a single from another band that would maybe fit on this record. And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like I can tell you elements of other bands that they remind me of, but it's it's kind of a struggle to be like this one song or this one band defines what this band sounds like. Cause that's kind of been, that's kind of your guys' thing is we, we aren't a copy of this other thing. Yeah. I think for a young band, especially you kind of don't want to, for some reason, maybe, maybe other bands don't care, but like, I don't like people saying you sound like this or you sound like this because we've worked, you know, you work so hard to sound like yourself. Um, they're not trying to be rude or anything. They're trying to say, look, you, you, elements of you remind me of this great artist. You know, they're trying to be, you know, productive and, and helpful and they are, but like as an artist, you, you want to sound like just you, but before you're anybody, before you're a name, it's important to do that. It helps fans find, find you, you know, and, and what they're into. Oh, you like sleeping with sirens? Well, he's on a song with them. You might like Avion, you know, um, it helps a lot. Um, so yeah, I think probably as much as I pretend like it maybe annoys me or something, it, it really doesn't. And I think it, it's really helped us more than anything. Well, I can see it from the perspective of, you know, you guys have spent so much time trying to find what your sound is and who you are that when you feel like you finally express that and someone comes back and is like, oh, this sounds like so-and-so, you have to ask yourself like, crap, am I just writing in the voice of Kellen Quinn or someone else? Am I just writing someone else's style? Like, that's how comedy works, right? Like, no comedian wants to hear that they sound like Louis C.K. It's a nice compliment, but you don't want to be writing like Louis writes. You want to write the way you write. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, man. That's yeah, a great way to put it, actually. I mean, I face the same thing as like a critic. Like, I, I like being a, I like writing about film and stuff. But if someone were like, "Oh, you write like so and so," I'd be like, "Oh man, am I? Am I just like a carbon copy of this other person that I like?" Because I, I, you know, I like the other person's stuff, but I would never want to just, you know, be like a hack version of that. Right. And in my head, right, you, know, yeah. you can't do a better version of it. So you're obviously the hack version. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll never be your heroes. Of course. Of course. But I mean, I think as long as, you know, you stay true to your writing, as long as I stay true to my writing, it can be reminiscent of our idols, but it's never, it, that's, that's what it does. I, I can't even think of who it is. There's this quote 
man, I wish I could think of who it is. I'll look it up and send it to you after. But there's a quote, uh, something along the lines of, you know, in my failed attempts to be my heroes, I am myself. And I think that's so true to so many people about so many things. It's that's that's really how you pay homage, and that's really how you are influenced. You you do kind of after a million failed attempts to be someone and be other people, you do kind of just become yourself and you end up doing your, your own way, you know? No, exactly. It's, it's, it's a frustrating balance. You know, you work so hard to try to be like someone and then you're like, Oh, I don't want don't want to get too close. You know, don't, don't want to Icarus myself in this situation. Right. Cause the worst yeah. possible thing is to be thought of as like the B version of something else. Oh yeah. The me too product. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're like, they're good. If you know, if that band isn't doing something, then Avian Rowe can right. fill that space. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, well, the one song I think we haven't talked about because we talked about all the other songs on the other, when we did the last podcast. People can listen to fifty three. It's like thirty episodes ago now. Um, oh, that was so long ago. <laughs> you say real busy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's the story behind Mother of Millions? Why does that have to be the closing song, other than I think being the longest song on the record? Um, I think lyrically, and the song is basically just singing. If you really break it down, it's a message. I think lyrically, it's definitely the heaviest we've ever ventured to go. I uh, had written a song, and I, I just, I remember showing. I showed each one of them at uh, at a different time, and Josh had just had a kid, and so things just seemed real heavy. Uh, the way we looked at the world changed, um, and if you haven't heard the song, it's very much about what the world could be like. Um, if things were perfect or if you asked a child, um, cause I, cause this has happened, you know, I've seen, I've seen people say, you know, tell children that we're, we're at war right now and children don't understand that. They just, they, you know, they say, well, why don't we just get along? You know, that's their re- most response to it. And it's it kind of takes that perspective of what the world could be like if children ran it, um, from an emotional perspective. And it just kind of goes down some alleys. It doesn't try and, you know, there's no real crazy chorus to it or there's no incredible guitar part to it there's really hardly any drums in it but it's the message of it that i think uh will hit people it's real heavy lyrically and um it talks about divorce and cancer and war and these are things that i think a lot of artists certainly myself in the past have been afraid to talk about it's things you don't want to think about if you don't have to and uh to be able to go there with it felt like a victory um to be able to do it successfully and i remember showing my sister the song and she just cried the first time she heard it um and it's the lyrics that do it it's it's the message in the song and i remember i showed uh our bass player sean the song and you know after he heard it i think the first thing he said is man we can't we can't have a song come after that song it was probably the sixth or seventh song we wrote. And so we, as soon as we wrote it, we knew like, that's how we were going to end the record. Um, Cause the, just the, the idea of what it's trying to say, so grand. It's so, it just seems like such a big gesture to, to bring your mind to that place. I didn't know how to follow it. Um, so maybe I should have pushed myself to go even further, but it just made sense to put it last. And so it kind of was the plan from its um, conception, I guess. The other song we haven't talked about is The Great Distance. Oh, yeah, true, true. The other kind. Which is one of my favorite ones. It's probably my favorite song yeah. on the record, if I had to pick one. Um, and I don't. I guess I don't like telling people that because I, I don't I want like them, them to know that for some yeah, reason, yeah, yeah. but it really is my favorite. 
Um, what makes it so special to you? I think being the singer of our band, it's my favorite vocals on the record. Uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of versatility in it. It's real fun to sing, to sing, and and it's easy to sing. It's kind of one of those songs that I feel like anyone could sing along to, um, without being like this, I don't know, watered down pop song or anything. Um, so I don't know. That that's definitely my favorite one. But I, man, I'm I'm glad I just had the opportunity to sit down with you and just talk about our record almost track by track and, and slowly and tell you yeah. about what I was thinking. Yeah, this is so much fun, man. I feel I like every every six it. months we'll just we'll just be like we'll talk about everything you've done in the last six months. And then we'll, we'll I would love to, you, man, because you you and I are all real alike in the fact yeah. that we're just kind of always, always you know getting it. our hands dirty and on, on always on to the next thing. I think there's a lot of a lot of people like that that just almost can't sit still or they feel like uncomfortable in their own skin and you're clearly like that you're you know always taking on something and your wheels are always moving and i've become that way too i don't know if the world made me that way or whatever but i just i like working i like especially you know my job is music i love it it's the best yeah. job in the world and you love writing it's visible <laughs> in, your, in your work you know well, so, i appreciate that well, let's. Well, you got a week. We're a week out now. I guess eight days, but people probably won't hear this till we're a week out. So, how are you? How are you feeling about? I guess the buildup for the album because I know you love the record. I love the record, but you know you've been promoting it for like I don't know eight months. It feels like at this point since since the first yeah. single came out. So, like, how do you feel? You know, a week out now because you know in a week the world's going to have it and hold it in their hands, and people are starting to make assumptions about what it's going to be. And I know some writers have probably started to hear it, and there'll be reviews in the next few days. Like, just that concern you does that worry you are you going to be sitting online waiting to see links to your own name what's what happens um you know i try to not listen to the noise of others too much obviously i want people to to love the record and have the songs resonate with them and maybe make their lives a little bit better that's what my favorite bands did for me but as far as like the general perception of the album i man if i'm being honest i just i don't really care dude like i we wrote these songs to help ourselves through a time in our life and they've already done that. So to me and to us, the record feels successful. It, it served its purpose to me. It was never to, you know, we weren't like, let's, let's write 12 songs and make money. It was like, let's write 12 songs and say something. And it's done that. We've, we've said it. I hope people hear it, but I heard it. And to me, that is how I define success. And it's important to be able to define success because if you don't, you'll never reach it. And I, I'm just, I'm already happy with it, man. The next step for me is to go out and play it for people, the people that do find it, the people that do love it. I want to go meet those people. And um, we're two weeks away from that, right? Well, ish, two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. The Vans Warped Tour starts June 24th. Yes. In, in, your home, in the hometown of the band anyways, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, band's you, hometown. I know they're doing a live stream. Did they tell you like if you're going to be part of that or not? I haven't heard one way or the other. I would love to be. <laughs> if, if Kevin Lyman's out there, you would, you would like to be considered. Sure. Yeah. You guys yeah. have done how many? What year will this be for you? Do performing on Warp Tour? How many times now? This is our uh, this is Abby and Rose's third time. I think it's my sixth, maybe fifth. Yeah, because you had the old band that did Warped. Yeah. <sighs> Distant past at this point. Yeah. It has to feel good um, to have like a like a like a label release with this band now, so that you know you, this is definitely the new chapter, like full full fledged. It has been forever, but for you know the general public, you finally is, have a new record. Yeah, <laughs> this is the real new chapter of what we've been working on behind the scenes for so long, and it, it it actually went on for so long. I think probably some of our fans maybe 
maybe stopped believing us that a record was coming out, but they're coming back around. I'm seeing them rise up and saying, Oh my God, I used to love this band. What are they doing? Or what have they been up to? And, and it's coming. Uh, what'd you say? Eight days away. What's today? Yeah, it's, it's Thursday. So I don't know what today is. Thursday to the ninth. So yeah, we're eight days away, eight days away, eight days away. So I'm actually, like I said, I'm, I got, I'm holding the record right now. I got a couple in front of me and yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. just so, I'm so proud of it, man. You got to push so for, you got to, you got to convince Epitaph you need to do a vinyl pressing of this too. Went to pre-order. Yeah, I think that's and I was the like, plan. Yeah, I, don't, I think don't that's the plan. Do, so. um, we have, uh, it's fun. I did an interview the other day and they were talking about writing process and uh, I was talking about how it changed on this record. And it's funny cause I've, we've probably got, about 16 songs written for the next record. We've had all this downtime more than, you know what I mean? We've been promoting and shooting videos and stuff and we don't stop working. So we've, we've got a handful of songs for the next album already, which I'm sure I'll decide are terrible and throw out. But, um, but we've definitely been working on that too. So I'm, man, I just am ready to play some live shows though. The tour with Danger Kids is amazing and Warped Tour is going to be amazing. I just can't wait to hit the road. Yeah, Warped Tour is 25 minutes, so we can expect just all new songs, I'm guessing. All songs from this record. Uh, no. No? no, no you're no. going to bring gonna... back Who I Am too. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You, just got, you just we... have to? Yeah, yeah. We'll play that the rest of our career, man. It's, just, <laughs> it's too fun and... and I think it's over 2 million views at this point. It's it's the video that really launched our band initially. You know what I mean? It's really what got us this cult fan base that, that gave a shit about what we were doing. Who I Am is a staple of what we are. We're nothing without that song. We're going to play that the rest of our lives. And um, and I think we're throwing in another another old one. That I don't think we've, man, we played it, we've maybe played the other song like 10 times ever. And we're going to, we're going to bring it back to this tour. But mostly new songs for sure. So yeah. if you have the new record, you'll be able to sing along. I don't doubt that you have all these other songs written, because as long as I've known you, you guys do not, this is the first time you've released an album since I've known you, and we've known each other for almost four years at this point, but in that time, you've definitely recorded like an album's worth of material that just got scrapped. So. Oh yeah, we throw <laughs> stuff away all the time. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I've heard a whole nother Avian Row album that'll never exist, so at this point, I'm just like, oh, this is number two. <laughs> there was, okay, this is actually, we did go, when we went to Chris Crummett to do the album, there was one extra song. I was going to ask if there was an extra tracks. Yeah, there was an extra song, and on day one we listened to it, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I like it, and I was like, I don't like it anymore, and he's like, well, what do you not like about it? Trying to just be real helpful, and I, I was like the most little kid ever about it. I was like, I don't know, I just don't like it. Like I couldn't even tell you. It's not like one thing was off. I was like, I just am not feeling it. And he said, cool, man, let's throw it out and focus on the ones you love, and that's exactly what we did. So there's one song in there that just disappeared, but. Other than that, it's like I said, it's the songs that we sent Epitaph. Oh yeah, I guess the only other thing we didn't talk about the cover art. It, it's striking. It's uh, I've seen that style of design has been pretty popular in videos, but I haven't seen it used in an album art in a while. So who did it? When what, what was the idea behind it? Is it is like um, I haven't so, seen the inside. Is the whole foldout have more images like this, or is it just the cover? Um, it's just the cover. It's one piece of art that we. I just I found it. Uh, yeah, I found it online. I couldn't even tell you where the hell I found it, but. We actually had the, you know, before we even got signed, we had the album art picked out. We had everything decided. And it was so long ago that we, it, I've seen this pop up everywhere too, this kind of double exposure. Sometimes it's ink and water, sometimes it's smoke. This is ink and water, but um, it almost like didn't get popular until after we decided we were going to use it. 
And now it probably looks like we're following a trend, but I swear to God, I found this in like 2013. <laughs> and I just love it too much to change it. Um, the artist's name is uh, Chris Slabber. Um, and he does all kind of digital art. And I think he's a painter too. He, uh, he's South American. Don't quote me on that. But um, we reached out to him and told him about our band. And I think we even sent him some music. And he, he was real into it and uh, was happy to be a part of it. So we're real lucky. I just love the artwork. Um, and it's a little bit reminiscent of the art of fiction. It's, mm-hmm. it's, again, it's a face. Yeah. Um, with art of fiction, it's you know, kind of bright colors and paint. Um, by another amazing artist uh, who I love. Her name is Agnes Cecile. She's an Italian painter who works in watercolor. Um, so, but it's very cool. Yeah, it's kind of like this, uh, a face, if you haven't seen it, it's a face, um, double exposed, like profile of a face with black and white ink inside of water. Um, but the two look similar, but I, I think it illustrates the involvement really well and clearly. Um, but yeah, Chris Labber is incredible. Look him up if you haven't already. Um, and yeah, dude, I just... I think we kind of covered everything at this point. The only um, thing I, the only thing I got left, I have one more note, which was you mentioned videos. Sure. Can you tell me what the next video is? The next music video is for a song called "Sing Me to Sleep." We just yeah, my favorite song. Shot it. Yeah, we talked uh, about this last time, have, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, man, that was the plan. I think the day we wrote that song, we we started talking about what the video idea would be. We just kind of knew. Um, we just shot it, uh, with an incredible visionary named Raul Gonzo. Um, you're familiar with his work. He did all the Paris videos. Okay. Um, he's incredible. Yeah. Incredible filmmaker, great videographer and director. Um, and he actually flew to Dallas with, a, his entire crew. And, um, there's, we, there's a model in the video named Haley who does some crazy stuff. She is covered from head to toe in glitter. I'm sure that she probably still has glitter on her. We filmed this months ago. Um, but there's just, it's just this really beautiful video that takes you kind of into a different world. Um, it's again, it's a very, as different sounding as Sing Me to Sleep is from Into the Rest, the visuals, um, you know, that they, they fall in line with that. So as much, does that make sense? So like Into the Rest sounds pretty sonically different than Sing Me to Sleep. I feel like visually that's perfectly on par as well. Um, so again, just trying that theme of like, let's keep people, constantly questioning what is Avion Row or what it means to sound like Avion Row. Well, I'm excited for the world to get to hear it in full and start deciding for themselves. And then they can see you June 24th through July 21st on Warp Tour, which means you drop off before you guys get here to Minneapolis. But I'm sure you'll come through eventually. We definitely, definitely will. It has been so wonderful catching up, man. I cannot wait till we do it again. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, you got a choice for the... I can play any song off the record for the intro to the podcast. So you want me to use The Great Distance? That's such your favorite one. <laughs> Just like 45 um, seconds? You want, you want a piece of something else? Let's do, let's do the great, let's do Violent Lights. Violent Lights, all right, yeah. let's do Violent Lights. Yeah, we talked about that one quite a bit. Let's, let's, let's yeah. go ahead and let people have a taste of that. All right, man, well, I'm going to start editing this crap so we can get, get the crap, yeah. Start editing this to get it out there for the world to enjoy so that they can have it out a week before the record drops. And then, yeah, man, hopefully I'll see you soon. I might try to make my way out to another Warped Tour date since I know when you guys are on it and I can actually hang out with you all day. So hopefully we get that happening. Let me know, man, because I would love to. Um, you have my cell number, just text yeah. me or whatever. Dude. I would love to hang out at Warp Tour. We will definitely have time to 
just shoot the shit or hang out or whatever all day. We're going to just be there at our tent signing stuff and selling CDs. So right. that'll be great, dude. Thank you again. And I hope you're doing well, man. It's, yeah. I, I meant what I said. You're someone who's just like always working and visible. <laughs> people see it. I appreciate that, man. I, you are the same way. I like to keep up. I always bug Nick with what you're up to. Shout out Nick Schaefer. You, all his other bands, too. They're great. <laughs> Nick's a good dude. Good friend. Yeah. All right, man. You have a great right, day. Man. Enjoy the Texas heat, and I'll Take talk care, to brother. you soon. Right, peace. Bye.